Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of The Way It Is. And I'm your host, Luke Andalfato with Remax Service First Realty here in Kingston. And today, um, we're going to start the chapter one, I think, or, or at least episode one of what hopes to be um, our little foray into the political world. Uh, this podcast hasn't been overly political, if at all, uh, but obviously with a pending uh, provincial election and signs popping up on, uh, on people's lawns. Uh, it seemed appropriate that uh, that we start, and we're fortunate to have with us Zachary Tyfair. Zachary is the uh, candidate for the Green Party here in Kingston and the Islands. And just uh, a little brief description or self-written brief description about Zachary is he's the first Gen Z candidate in Kingston. His experiences on the front lines as a minimum wage worker during the pandemic have reinforced his view that his generation needs to be heard. Not only are the youth of Ontario faced with the perils of climate change, but they must also contend with the tremendous inequity growing between the haves and the have-nots. Zachary hopes his candidacy acts as a call to all young people to seek a better future for Ontario, a future he believes is best served by rebranding as Generation Green. Welcome, Zachary. Thank you. All right. And um, I, I was on your site and read more in-depthly about your, your history and, and your background uh, growing up here in Kingston. Um, it's quite a, quite a story. Tell us a little bit about that. And, and, that, and obviously, you're, you're only 21 years old, so uh, young by uh, certainly my standards. My children are older than you, for goodness sakes. And, uh, and, and obviously, you, you developed uh, an interest in politics at a uber young age. Yeah, I think it comes from, well, for the first half of my life, I was raised from my mother, who was a single mother, and put me and my two brothers through school and put a roof overhead. She always picked up the midnight shift, and I was a horrible kid, as I always say. Uh, so I became more grateful, as we do when we come older and we see the sacrifice. <clears throat> for the second half of my life, I was raised from my grandparents, who are small business owners in Kingston. So I really got to see the affordability crisis affecting two demographics there, us, how there's affecting small business owners and single, single parents, I should say. So I became deeply passionate with politics because I wanted to help people. And I seen the best way to help people was to get involved in politics. And the funny story with that is nobody from my family ever voted until 2018, which was the first age, first time I was able to vote. So my passion kind of rubbed off on them, and I'm hoping mm -hmm. that can I can do it to non-voters this election. So I guess why gravitate towards the green versus you know obviously the 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 mainstay uh, parties that we have come to know you know. I think it goes back down to voting records. The Green Party has three things that I am always drawn to. One, we don't whip votes, so I can vote on my own which is why I have many policies in my local platform that are not in any other party's policies. For example, I'm the only candidate with a senior strategy, calling uh, not taxing local craft beer, and the only candidate in most of Canada that's even started to talk about implementing a coverage plan for transgender and non-binary surgery. So it allows me to be who I am. And that's what I think we need. We need more politicians that can be themselves and bring more passion instead of being a backbencher party. And the third reason is that they have the better voting record when it comes to climate change. We're the only party that still has not voted for a pipeline. We're still the only party that has not made cuts to health care. 
or uh, affordable housing. Granted, we haven't been elected until in PEI, so we haven't had much chances to do that. But voting record always goes back down to it. And it's why I think other parties need to have a chance in the House because, well, the status quo just haven't got the job done. No, fair enough. Fair enough, for sure. Um, so, and, and um, you know, provincially, um, Mike Schreiner, who's actually a quite an intelligent guy, I think, and and, and very well liked, and uh, and I think well thought of in the, in the political forum. Um, certainly, you know that that's brought the Green Party um, more top of mind. I think the world that we live in has helped to do that. Sadly, and in, in an unintended consequence of of the situations we're in. Um, so, talk a bit about, I guess, the you you alluded to some of your particular local platforms but i guess um maybe and we know as much as you know we're we're voting local um it is still you know we're operating the province and i know a lot of people vote based on who they feel the the federal or the provincial leader is going to be so i guess what sets the greens apart in ontario if you want to take it to that sort of level the the, the next level if you wouldn't mind sort of just yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mike has shown what one MPP is capable of. And imagine what a Green Caucus can do. We were the lead in charge on not building the highways. We've been the lead in charge on climate change, uh, mental health, uh, affordable housing. I am so proud to be behind the only party that's calling to implement healthcare under OHIP. And Mike has taken a strong stance on mental health. And to me, when it, Mike has just stood up in the House of uh, House at Queens Park and just showed what one MPP can do, and I think when I think about politicians, I want to say, "Hey, my MPP did a lot," and I think Mike has proven once again that one MPP can get a lot done. And to me, we have the best housing plan. We are going to build 100,000 affordable rental units and maintain affordable housing supply. No. We have a, we're going to launch a transformative five billion green uh, building program for the next decade, 10 years. And, you know, we always get told we don't have enough money to do a lot of these things. We have 10, we're spending $10 billion on a highway that's going to save 30 to 60 seconds. That's going to cut into our farmland, our our green bell, it makes no sense. So I would like to take that and use 5 billion of it and launch our uh, transformative 5 billion green plan. And we need to, uh, Mike has taken such a strong stance on anachronic homeless. And that's why I'm proud to be with a party that's going to build 60,000 supportive housing units with wraparound service. The idea is that to end poverty, you need to give a foundation. I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I, I've I've got my own uh, feelings and opinions on on how to solve some of these crises we're dealing with. I I, I get very frustrated when it's um, when the politicians uh, of the world, uh, provincially, federally, pay lip service to headlines or or you know, and just um, just give talking points as opposed to substance. But I guess. How do you reconcile, though, today, and I'm, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything like that, but I'm sure constituents are going to ask you, how do you reconcile carbon taxes with the price of filling up a 
tank of gas these days at the gas station. And, and we're talking constituents that have means and those that don't have means, right? I mean, where speak to that if you can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as Greens, we typically don't like uh, using oil. And you know what? I understand people's fears that if the Green government gets elected, we're going to just increase the supply chain. No, we're going to put a cap. So then you can't make a whole bunch of money off oil. That's the problem. Oil might the uh, we don't import a lot of oil from Russia and mm -hmm. or Ukraine, yeah. and yet our prices are still going up. It's because oil companies are capitalizing on it and said, "Oh well, but now we have to." Well, they're making profits, and Ontarians are paying the price. So I want to put a we're going to put a cap on it, and also start investing into electric cars. Or in what I would personally like to invest into is Canada's company called Aero Electronics, which is trying to invent the world's first net zero car. If they can manage to do that, we'll be the global economic powerhouse in automobiles if we can create that vehicle. And they're getting close to it. And with a bit more government funding, they could. Imagine that. Imagine Ontario being the province that brings in the first net zero car. The economy yeah, is going to bloom. The Investment for by 2050, the global green economy investment will be up to $8 trillion. We have to capitalize on that. But for now, uh, getting the supply chain to electric cars for people, because it is cheaper already, it's just not cheaper to buy the vehicle. So putting more funds in and more rebates so then when you buy electric cars, it's cheaper and you get money back as well. And having electric charge systems all over at least starting with one at every gas station would be a good start. Yeah. And, and I mean, and there's a debate, of course, and you, you, you alluded to it and, and then it's a, uh, that's a great, uh, hopefully that'll, that'll be a fantastic success story to have a company out of Ontario develop the first net zero car, because that's, there's the rub. Uh, EVs are, 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 are certainly hard on the environment <laughs> to produce, like no different than a, than a carbon emitting vehicle. I mean, they, the, the metal is the metal, the plants are the plants. And, um, and then, you know, you got the batteries that uh, at the end of the day to, to figure out what to do with, uh, once their lifespan is, is over. But, um, going back though, uh, so Kingston, What's, I mean, Kingston, um, uh, you know, I've had Mayor Patterson on a couple of times and I know Kingston, I think tries to be uh, sort of uh, at the lead of or the forefront of environmental sustainability. What's your opinion on how Kingston is vis-a-vis -vis being green or sustainable? I think when we compare ourselves other, to other municipalities across the country, we're doing good, but we're not doing good enough. The hard, cold fact is that we didn't listen to the scientists for decades, and now we're paying the price. This is going to be the hottest summer, which and next year is going to be even hotter, and the year after is going to be hotter. I don't think any party is going is hard enough on it. Uh, we need to be net zero by 2035. Scientists are telling us that. We ignored them. We can't ignore them anymore. It's, we're now playing with my generation and the next generation's future, and I don't gamble with my future. In fact, I don't gamble at all. I'm a Leaf fan. I'm a Horton. <laughs> it's not going to go anywhere with that. And I think when it comes down to it, we need to stop asking ourselves what's politically possible and what needs to happen. I don't care for re-election. No politician should care for re-election. You should get re-elected automatically if you do the right job, if you do your job right. So while they're talking about net zero by 2040, 2050, 
uh, the affordability crisis, healthcare crisis. These are crises that were crises before I was even born. Why am mm-hmm. I running on issues that are crises before that are older than me? That's horrible. Uh, and we need a new generation of leaders to step up because obviously the old leaders are not getting it done. And uh, as Ford always says, it's time to get it done. Climate change really needs to get it done. And we can't afford to wait for another eight years for action on this. No, I, I, you know what? And and I, and I think most reasonably educated and thinking people um don't disagree that that climate and i think even those naysayers well i mean you're there's always going to be a percentage that are just you know out of touch but um i think most people have come to realize that climate change is a thing right um that that obviously you know here in our own little uh, area here we we've went we've gone from furnaces didn't shut off till a week ago to now we're wearing shorts and t-shirts and it's 28 degrees and you know there's no more shoulder seasons it's it's winter and then it's summer right and that that's certainly for anybody who's paying attention that's not normally a cycle of seasons right so but it always comes back to the how do you pay for this right everybody knows what needs to be done everybody knows what has to be done are people prepared to make the sacrifices financially uh, vis-a-vis one has to presume you've got to generate tax dollars, you've got to generate inc- revenues to pay for these initiatives, right? Whether it's whether it's a hundred thousand homes, whether it's uh, you know more EVs, whether it's all of that, where you know where does that come from? Yeah, well, absolutely, but the, uh, it's always a fear. I mean, yeah, we're going to take a hit at first. It's an investment, not a expense. For example, the uh, the Green Party wants to retrofit our uh, housing uh, and how we're going to uh, we have on our policy uh, we're going to get uh, homeowners can receive a grant up to 15000 to 20000 to cover uh, green retrofits like heat plums and improve insulation for housing with income under 100000 we'll have a grant that's up to 100 k our plan will also in, uh, put $2 billion to ref- retrofit nonprofit and co-op housing see we just said a whole bunch of money there but those retrofitting programs will create 52,000 jobs per year. Green jobs will bring in more money into the local economy because they pay better, they're healthier, and above all else, they're investing into the global green economy, which is where the world's shaped into. You know, we, uh, <clears throat> we had a bloom after World War I, and, or sorry, after World War II because we I'm one because we got into the industrial age. We started investing in the auto and gas and oil and coal. The problem is times change. And what we realized back then is that you have to invest in when times change. And we're not doing that right now. In fact, oil companies understand this. They are the leading companies that are investing into green technology because they don't want to be left behind. And if Ontario wants to be left behind, you keep oil subsidies and you keep paying for these big oil companies that are going to use those subsidies to free fund into green uh, energy ideas so then they can get money out of it which is smart and foolish for us not understanding that that's what we're not doing ourselves sure um there's uh you know and and uh i'm sure the jobs will come uh one of the issues the world is facing now post covid or coming out of covid um along with these supply chain issues is is a huge labor shortage or a labor crisis and and uh i guess 
potentially unqualified skilled labor or not enough skilled labor. Um, you know, that's your generation. You know, um, I, I haven't read through the the platform in its entirety, but where, where where is the piece in terms of education, in terms of because the world needs skilled trade people now. I mean, that's that's you can see it in the construction. You, you're not going to be building any of these homes and having any of these retrofits done if you can't get construction workers or you can't get workers that to do the to do the job. And and I guess that also you know you can tie that into your living wage um, uh, platform because I think that's something that's yeah. that's uh, an initiative for you as well. So yeah. So I'm going to take it on to trades and then move on to the second part sure. of that question because yeah, trades absolutely. is such a big thing right now. Um, it's actually why we have a lot of immigrants come in and we we really invest into them to take on trade jobs. What I've seen from my generation is that we were told from a very early age is that you have to get a large, ed a good education to work a good office job that will give good paying job. And the problem with that is that the, our parents always thought, listen, I broke my back. My grandfather broke my back. And now that we have money to give you to try to get you going, go grab an office job so you're not breaking your body. The problem with that is that they got paid shitty wages. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody wants to break their back for bad wages and bad uh, health benefits. So a living wage where everybody's like, oh, well, everything else just goes up. Yeah, because everything else goes up because we, we allow them to. What we need to do is make a CEO cap. So they can't make 20 times more than their lowest earning employee. And then reinvest into trades. Uh, for example, the Green Party has uh, already put policies to try to eliminate tuition fees. Uh, we didn't make the empty promise to do it in four years. That's just not possible. But we want to tie it to income so then people can get ahead. Uh, I currently work at McDonald's uh, for a few years. And during the pandemic, I watched, maybe I shouldn't sit my job, but uh, I watched uh, many of my coworkers work two to three jobs and still go to school. So they're working lots of part-time jobs, trying to get an education, putting themselves farther in debt. And then their mental health takes a hit and you just can't get ahead. So mm -hmm. trades is really good. And I think you need to have paid in uh, apprenticeships. Uh, one thing that uh, high schools are starting to do and uh, colleges do it a lot too now is co-op and they'll get paid and they'll get their credits. I think putting them into uh, put in a mandatory course in high school for co-op into trades to try and push people into trades would be a great start. And uh, I, I, I think that's the way to go is that trades is good if they, and they do pay you really good money in most of them already. It's just, we have to get over the stigma now that we break our body for it. Well, yeah, you're breaking yeah. your body. Yeah, and then I, I no, I, I don't disagree. Yeah, it's it, there are some skills or some trades that are it, it's 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 hard labor. There's no question about it. Um, I, I think also too, and you just touched on it briefly. There was a, a stigma or perception that you know, and and because there's a whole generation, my children included, um, that felt that they had to go to post secondary education. They had to, like, as, as you alluded to, they had to get a, a university degree or a degree of some sort in order to feel like they've achieved something in order to climb the ladder. You know, um, so. To to speak. Um, and I think the unfortunate part is that uh, being having a trade or a skill sort of was treated as a bit of a step below or, or that you hadn't achieved something. Uh, and yet, I mean, I know lots of <laughs> electricians and plumbers and 
drywallers and, and people like that are they're very successful entrepreneurs and, and many of them in the city of Kingston. Um, you just have to look at the trucks driving around town all the time. But Absolutely. Um, but I think, you know, you know, your generation certainly is key. And, and I'm finding that there's, um, you know, I don't know. And I don't want to sound like the grumpy old man that walked uh, uphill both ways to go to school back in the day or anything like that. But there certainly seems to be we've created a bit of a generation maybe that I dare say doesn't have the work ethic that your grandparents had or your mother had or my parents had as immigrants to this country and, you know, worked five jobs and raised four kids and, and couldn't speak the language, you know? So uh, what's your, you know, you're in that, you're in that demographic, you're, you're, you're appealing to your constituents in that demographic. What are you hearing from them? Are, are they all like-minded like you? Cause I'm sure others have different socioeconomic backgrounds. Oh, absolutely. I wish they were all like-minded like me. No, I don't. No, I don't. That'd be horrible. Uh, no, uh, but uh, no, I, I, I do. There is that perception that my generation's lazy and uh, I don't understand it because the difference from our generation and from the previous ones is inflation has killed us. Like nobody wants full-time jobs because they, they have to pay benefits. So you're working two to three jobs with no benefits. You're still making barely any money and you're still falling behind. Um, and yeah, it was the stigma that our parents created around odd jobs that were in the trades. See, my grandparents are small business owners, so I, I learned to love the trades. Uh, I didn't get involved in trades. I wanted to be marketer, a business marketer. Um, but I do understand the importance of it. And there's a lot of things that my generation do not understand. Uh, and I think we have to redesign our high school. And, uh, we took out, um, I, I always butcher the trying to remember the name, but maybe you can help me. You guys had, is it HOMAC? Uh, well, there was uh, home economics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah there was a, you had, a, you had a shop, you had uh, automotive, you had HOMAC, uh, which, and back then, I mean, you got to be careful now because politically is to be politically correct. I mean, they were for any gender, but I mean, invariably back in the day, you know, um, girls did the the home ec and and the guys did the wood shop or or the automotive which i think today you could probably flip that script right in terms of who's taking what and it, there's no there's no gender bias in either one yeah. anymore yeah so yeah well i would like to bring back three courses and make them mandatory ah uh, i know i might get a little flack for this especially as a fat, fat kid <laughs> but uh phys ed uh drama and Geography being high school mandatories made no sense to me. They should have been electives. And what you should replace those three with is home ac, workshop, and uh, tax class uh, and economics, world economics. Uh, you could like learn how to do your taxes, budgeting, and stuff like that. And just teaching kids that these are the different things and teaching them life skills, which is how high school is supposed to be. College and universities are meant to be the ones that teach you whatever field you choose to go into. And yeah, to me, it boggles my mind that we we have a mandatory history class, uh, geography class, after we've already spent eight years learning about that from grade one to grade eight, you've already learned all that. Like I didn't learn anything new in those classes by grade nine. Mm -hmm. It's just as the same thing, rewarded it differently in a different book. 
I, I don't disagree with you. I think life skills certainly should be, <laughs> if you, whatever you would want to call it, that, that, that's certainly lacking. I, I mean, I see that in, um, you know, in, in some of the student population um, in terms of, I run a property management company. So I certainly see it in terms of, you know, the entitlement and the privilege and, and what comes with that um, when these kids are put into houses here and, and don't know how to live on their own because they've never done that before. Um, you know, and that's not a slight. It's just, it's a, it's a matter of fact statement. Um, and you're right. So having life skills. I also, again, you know, I, I was a product of grade 13 and, uh, you know, when they got rid of it, I, 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 I thought that was a mistake personally. That's just me. I, I think that the kids coming out now or if they're still just too young in terms of that extra year i mean most of them now are doing the what they call the victory lap anyway because they're not ready in terms of knowing what a what what field or stream they want to get into um i mean we're, we're getting way off topic but i mean i have an issue with this whole stream thing anyway by the fact by the time you start grade nine you already got to make start making decisions or you're going to be left out of a particular area because you didn't choose the right stream or the right direction and i, I just find that incredulous i, I just I, I don't understand how we're trying to restrict education or re pro prohibit people from doing what they want to do once they figure it <laughs> once they figure it out right but yeah absolutely. um Anyway, I won't keep you. I know you've got uh, another uh, another uh, speaking engagement or something else to get to, but I guess um, maybe we'll just end it on. Um, is there, um, I haven't followed, uh, embarrassingly, I don't follow too closely on the local scene, but have you had a debate yet? Is there, are there debates coming? What, uh, what's um, the plan for that? I think we've had four debates already. And I know we have three next week. I, I can, on the top of my head, I can count four right now. Four more coming. And next week is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then there's one on the 26th. Wow. Okay. So it's active then. So, um, and, and where are these debates? Where have they been held? Are they sort of more town, <laughs> town hall sort of formats or are you? Uh, they've been a little bit of mix. So um, the Wolf Island debate was the first one that was held in April. That was a Q&A. Uh, there was a May 2nd, there was a basic income debate, and that was an actual debate format. <clears throat> and then... We had another debate yesterday that was on Zoom that was more of a set questions, and then we answered them. All right. So it's a little bit of a mix of everything, which is good. Yeah. So how do you feel you're doing? Honestly, the campaign is going a lot by a lot better than what we were anticipating. We fundraised a lot more. Uh, one thing that I am finding that is so unique to our campaign is it was under the high recommendation not to do this is I use my personal phone number. So I get people that will call thinking they're getting the campaign office and they go, hello. And I go, it's actually speaking. And they go, who? <laughs> and I love it because it, it's just such a respectful conversation. And the reason why I did it was politicians talk too much and they don't listen mm -hmm. enough. And it's not going to be my campaign stuff that, gets voted in if if I, my game if i win it's going to be me so who's better to hear your issues than me fair enough good point absolutely so all right well listen we'll we'll end it at that i appreciate you taking the time i wish you all the best and and good luck in the campaign and uh yeah we'll we'll, we'll see what transpires so that i hope you get to uh, uh convert and 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 get some votes your way so thank you all right. You take care, Zachary. You too. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye.